Gary, would you pray for our time and the word and the worship? Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come together today to worship your name, to hear from your word, God. Father, I lift up the persecuted church today, God, as we come together. We have so much freedom, God. I pray for those that don't have freedom. I pray, God, that you would strengthen them, Lord. Pray, God, that they would walk with you all of their days, God. I pray, God, for those who persecute them, God. I pray, Father, that they would come to know you, Lord. Father, we honor you with our lives. We thank you for our freedom. Father, even as our freedoms are being infringed upon, God, I pray, God, that we would stand for truth and stand for righteousness. In your name, amen. Amen. I searched the world But it couldn't fail me
just wanna be close to your heart This is where my healing finds its scar Here is where I find my peace Where my soul is finally free I'm going all in and over my hair. I'm not scared to get drenched in your love. Wherever you go, God, I will follow. I'm not scared to get lost in your
Father, we thank You for that truth, Lord. You are good, good Father. And Your love endures forever. Oh, I pray, God, that, um, Lord, as we have had those words sung over us, that that would be our truth, that we would know You as Father. Father, for there's none like You. You so love the world that You sent Your one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in Christ and in Jesus we see, Father, that there's no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. We thank you, Father, that we have an opportunity to gather this morning, Lord, to hear your word, to, to be encouraged yet again, Father. God, that you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. We thank you for Holy Spirit that you've been given to those who believe as a comforter, as a teacher, and as a guide. And Father, for those who are not in Christ this morning, Lord, it is the working of the Holy Spirit that's drawing them to Christ. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, Thank you for the living word, which brings corrections, correction to our lives. I pray, God, that you would give us a deeper hunger and a thirst for righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. Thank you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, may our time of fellowship and reading of your word be pleasing unto you, Lord. Do pray, God, that our hearts will be of good soil to receive it. And that, God, we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, that we would be doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Community, what we're discussing and what we've been discussing throughout the year and will continue through December, so we're seven months in to this year and community two definitions i've been holding up before us each sunday the first one a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common the second one a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes interests and goals and as i've been sharing with you about community for the christian community christ is the center Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body. And we're called together to do life together, to live for Jesus, to grow together, to mature together. Each of us, the Bible tells us, that the Holy Spirit has distributed gifts among us. Each of us are needed and, you, and you've heard me say this over the years. Each of us are needed in the body of Christ. And we should be maturing, we should be growing, so that we can be fully functional. 
you're needed. It's just not for one person, two people, three people, a group of people. No, everyone is included so that we can accomplish what the God of of this universe has called us to. The very God who spoke the world into existence. He has a plan. And we've talked about this. You can see it all through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that He will have a people that He calls His own, and in return they will call Him their God. That they will love Him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, and with all of their strength. You can't make this up. I keep telling you, I know people will go toe-to-toe with you and say, well, man wrote the Bible. Man was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the Bible. And this is the living Word of God. This Word will last forever and ever and ever and ever. And we can trust that He is faithful to His Word. He is not man that He should lie. So when we have this beautiful picture of the church, when Jesus tells his disciples, I have to go away so that he will come, he being the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring the conviction, he's going to be our comforter, our counselor, our guide. He's going to empower us to accomplish what we're called to do, and that's to go forth and to preach the gospel. To tell others about Jesus. Not to build an institution. Not to be a religious people. But a people who have been born again of the Spirit of God. To be born again. Remember the religious man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus and said, What must I do? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And the religious man says, well, how can I go back in my mother? And Jesus said, no, no, you're to be born again of the Spirit. It's not a, it's not a rebirth in the natural. No, it's a new birth in the Spirit. You are a new creation. And so the church should understand this, and the church should be maturing and growing in it. We're not to be bickering, backbiting, gossiping, and tearing down. No, we're called to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. To hold each other accountable. Not to man's ways, but to God's ways. The same for you is the same for me. The same for me, the same for you. It's a standard that God has set. We are His people. We are to be set apart for His purpose. And when we're born again, we're drawn, not because of us, but all because of Him. And I keep encouraging us that it's Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's only Jesus. There's no one else. There's not a list of rules. There's not a list of laws. It's only Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but He came to fulfill the law because we in and of ourselves could never do it. In and of ourselves, we will not live a righteous, holy life. And so as a community, as a Christian community with Christ 
be in the center, this is why we gather. It's all based on Him. Because there's work to be done, you all. In each and every generation, God has had a people throughout the earth that would declare His glory. That would tell of His story. That would make the captives know that there is a way to live. For life. For freedom. In every generation, in every generation, God is faithful to have a people that is set aside for Himself. Are you that people? Oh, how I pray that you are. Oh, how I pray that you have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. Not because, again, you, and I've said this over the years, you will never wake up one day and say, I want to follow God. I want to know Jesus. That in and of yourself will never happen. And each of you should know why. Why? Because in and of ourselves, we are at war against Him. The nature in which we are born into, this sinful nature, is in rebellion towards God. And in that nature, we make God out as the enemy. He's the one with the problem, not us. But the reality is, and you've heard this throughout the years, is there's no error found in God. The error is within us. We are the problem. We're the problem. We want to be God. We want to live how we want to live, do how we want to do, and it's all controlled by the flesh. And I've shared with you, the flesh only knows how to do one thing, and that is to die. There's nothing that can come from the decision that you're making based out of the flesh that would bring anything good into your life. And so we have the flesh that we're contending with. And then we're in this world system. And everything of this world, not the material world, but the world system in and of itself is against the throne of God. And so it's building its establishments. It's catering to the needs of the flesh. And ultimately, it wants to drive out the knowledge of God. And that's why the Bible tells us that when we are to consider ourselves dead but alive in Christ, that we have nailed this old man, this old woman, that flesh nature to his cross, and we have crucified it there. And so now the world's interests is no longer seeking us, and we are not seeking after the world. Again, we're new creations. And so we have the flesh that's contending against us. We have the world's system that is contending against us. And then we have Satan, the author of lies. He thought he could overthrow the kingdom of God. That he could arrive up above the throne of God. 
And now he is prince of this earth. He has full right and full authority given to him. And he's running amok. Him and his demons. It is a spiritual war. Ephesians 6 is very clear. And coming from the occult, before I was a Christian, I hated Jesus. I hated Christians. I hated the church. And I've always said it is sad that the occult knows more of the spiritual realm than the church. It is a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 is very clear. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air and the darkness. The Bible is very clear when it tells us, submit to God, then resist the enemy, and he has to flee. And I've said over the years, so many of us are resisting the enemy in our strength, and we're missing that first step. Submit yourself to God, then resist, and he has to flee. There's there's no way he can stay in your full submission to God. And in the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the enemy, he has to flee. So you have the flesh. You have the world system. And you have the enemy contending, warring for your soul. Remember Genesis It tells us, from the beginning, it tells us, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to master you. But you must master it. And the only way that we can master it is through Christ. Through Christ. You see, God understands our condition. He knows. Again, Adam and Eve falling did not surprise God. God didn't have a plan B. It's always been plan A. The cross was always purpose. Before he spoke the world into an existence, the cross was always purpose. Love was going to be displayed to all creation. Love. God's love to be displayed through the cross. See, God understands our condition. And so God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. But if we continue to deny Jesus, if we continue to keep rebelling against Jesus... If we keep choosing to go our way, He loves us enough to turn us over to it. And that's why I've always said, I've always challenged you, why would you choose God's wrath over God's love? When we're fighting against God, we are actually, and and we're fighting to keep our rights to what we want to do, do you realize you're basically in agreement with, with, with fighting just for yourself to die? And to experience an eternity apart from your creator. See, when you're fighting to live your life in this temporal world, you see no value for your soul. You've been deceived. 
You see, the natural man, the natural woman wants to feast off the temporalness of life. But you're so much worth more value than the temporalness of life. Of just living out of your flesh. Any of us can do that. But when you understand the value of your soul, when you understand you are far greater than just this realm, you were created for eternity. For eternity. And you're going to spend eternity either with your Creator or apart from Him. And it's your choice. It's your doing. You see, God has made a way. And God is pleased to reveal Himself to you. And He has been revealing Himself to you time and time and time and time and time again. So that in the end, when you stand before Him, He's not in error in placing judgment. You are. Because you kept rebelling against Him. So as a community of believers who have been delivered, who have been set free, who have been born again, we come together excited to gather together to hear from God, to learn of God, to encourage one another to keep growing in Christ. Because this is what defines the church, Christ. And so we have the good news to tell. And so you ought to have a desire to grow and to be discipled. To not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. I was listening to this missionary to Orlando. Yes, a missionary to Orlando. The other day, I had an opportunity to hear from him. And he said this statistic that I have not been able to shake. He said, did you know that 90% of Orlando, 90% of Orlando is not affiliated with the church. Not affiliated with the church. He says, we are known as the cemetery for church planters. That people are called to Orlando to plant churches and the church just closes up. It's a very hard city. He said, you would think that you're up in the um, Seattle area or these other areas where you know you kind of just see the, uh, the godlessness just running amok. He says, but Orlando's right there. Like 90% of the people in Orlando are not affiliated with the church. I go, wow. How sad is that? Because when you drive, you see almost on every corner a church. And you, we have large church buildings that have a lot of people in them. But what does that mean? What is, what's the church doing? Where are we? What are you doing? Like, how are you living your life day in and day out? 
Because you're a witness. You are the witness of, of Christ. You are a testimony of His resurrection. Christ in you living through you. And I've told you over the past few years, the way we've done church, we can't continue to do. That was for that season. We have entered in a whole new world. Look at the earth. Two years ago and far, far beyond that, but it really hit. The earth was turned upside down when COVID hit. And it's been an ongoing, just rapid progression of just craziness all throughout the earth. It's just not in one central location. It is throughout the earth. We are living in incredible times, biblical times. Again, you can't make this up. You you look from Genesis to Revelation. You look at prophecy. You understand the, the, the spiritual aspects of life. And you say, wow. Like this is all happening. Because God has purposed it. God has planned it. And as I keep telling us, it's getting darker out there. But you should be getting brighter. It's not time for the church to run and retreat and surrender. No, it's time to move forward. It's time to go forward. Because everything out there is against you because it's against Christ. And I've said, with, I've said this to you. To, to, to not to persuade you to give up. But hopefully to stoke that flame within you to keep burning. As we see it getting darker... That means Jesus is getting closer to returning. We don't know the day and the hour. It could be a hundred years from now. It could be tomorrow. But we have the good news to tell. And to really understand of who he, of who he is. And to be discipled and to go forth and to live your life in a world that hates your God. And because they hate him, they will hate you. You see, as the days continue to get darker, the Christian faith is going to be pushed out of the world system completely. It's going to get, it's going to get worse for Christians. Just my testimony alone could get me arrested in Canada. And in some states here. If the laws pass, for me to even mention that God delivered me out of homosexuality, I could be put into jail for hate speech. It's rapidly ramping up. In Australia... I could not share my testimony of what God has done in my life in Australia. I would be arrested. But did that make me want to give up and give in and retreat? No. You're going to have issues in the future. I'm not saying tomorrow or the next day, but you're going to have issues. With your employer, with banking, <laughs> with pr- pr- provision, 
And that's not to scare you, but it's to hopefully awaken you to go, wait a minute, do I really believe? Because it's in these days that the church needs to be together. The community needs to start flourishing. We need to start planning. We need to start preparing. We need to start serving and loving first among ourselves and then others. You should be out there. Remember, the people of this world are not our enemies. We don't hate them. We don't beat them over the head with the Bible. We don't yell at them and scream at them. No, we're there to serve them. We're there to uphold a standard. We're definitely not just to retreat and give in. No, we have a truth to tell. We have a person to introduce them to. Some will hate us. To some, the Bible says, we will be a stench of death, but to others, we will be a fragrance, a sweet fragrance of life. Of life. So how are we living? How are we doing? We're seven months in. We've heard about community. We've heard scriptures over and over and over. Has a desire in you been, been sparked to say, I want to be in community? The city and the surrounding tri-county areas in which my feet are planted in, 90% of the people are not affiliated with a local church. There's work for us to do. There's work for you to do while you are out there being His hands and His feet. declare the goodness of our God in the land of the living. In the land of the living. Your soul, you all. We, I've talked about it maybe a month or so ago. The value of your soul. Don't live out of, out of the sin nature, out of the flesh. Like every decision you're making, every word you're speaking, every thought you're catering to, Shows you how much you value your soul. Your soul. Jesus had something to say about this. Go to Mark chapter 8. Verse 31 through 33. Jesus, in this portion of Scripture, predicts His death. Then Jesus began to tell them, His disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later He would rise from the dead. As He talked about this openly with His disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, 
not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in, this, in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Is anything, Jesus says, worth more than your soul? How many of you really think of your soul as you're going through your day? Do you realize, again, the three enemies that want to keep you ignorant of your soul? Your flesh, the world system, and Satan. Think about that. How much do you give thought to your soul and the decisions that you're making? Oh, how I pray that you awaken to truth. That you awaken to truth. Remember, you weren't created just for the temporalness of this life, and yet that's what a lot of us are clinging to, to the temporalness, to relationships, to material things, to status. <laughs> and it's ruining us. All of that's going to fade away. I was listening to this pastor who used to be a porn star. He made over a thousand porn movies. And he's got an incredible platform now to go and expose the fruitless deeds of darkness of that industry. And my heart was broken when he said that there was 30 girls that he knows who committed suicide while he was in that industry for the years that he was there. That even now he finds himself contending with people judging him. Saying, oh, you'll never change. Even amongst the church community, when he's invited to speak at different conferences, he's been actually told not to sit at different tables. Oh, it's good to hear your story and your testimony, but we don't want to be seen with you. And I was listening to him speak, and I was like, wow. But praise be to God, he's been delivered. He's been set free. And God has given him a platform to pierce the darkness. And that's what God wants to do with each and every single one of us. Your testimony, where you've been, what you've endured, what you've gone through, God wants to turn it around for good, to pierce the darkness. You're not to remain in rebellion. Rebellion is like witchcraft. You're not to remain at war with God. No, when you get a glimpse of Him, you surrender. Not forcefully. He doesn't force you. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. 
You see, what He's calling us to is much greater than the level and the plane that we're living on. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. But ask yourself over this past week, what did you cling to? What are you rooted in? What's defining you? Again, it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the fruits of your labor, but the fruit of your labor should not be your God. And it should not be your source of identity. Because it can be removed tomorrow. Your relationships can be removed tomorrow. Your wealth can be removed tomorrow. Your material possessions can be burned up tomorrow. Everything that your, your flesh is trying to identify with can be gone tomorrow. But if you're in Christ, you've been born again of the Spirit. Oh no, you're not clinging to things. You're clinging to Christ. Okay, my life is different now. I'm to be separated. Nothing's changed. The same thing he called of Israel is the same thing he calls for the church. Come out from among them. Be holy as I am holy. Separate yourself. Because you belong to me. Now go represent me. And what are we seeing with these religious institutions? Is they're catering to the world. Prominent, Bible-believing, at one point, institutions are now catering to the world. It shouldn't surprise us. We're not to get angry because we're told it's going to happen. But see, he's prepared us for this day and age. He's prepared us as he's transitioning us for his return. Again, we can't be church like we were church before. It's a whole new way of living. (laughs) What was then is coming back. There was a season centuries ago where biblical truth was being preached. There were great revivals taking place. Cities were being transformed. And then all of a sudden, people just got comfortable and went back. Generations were being raised up godless. And now we have a generation that's coming up from behind us who are so godless... They, they, they don't even know who they are and how they were created. The enemy is working overtime. And just as much as he's working overtime, so should the church. We don't have time to rest. We don't have time just to run amok. We don't have time to, well, if I can squeeze church in, I'll go. No, no, no. You are, you are the church. Like, it's time to remain alert and to be steadfast. And you ought to be praying while you're out there. And you say, I don't know how to pray. Well, come learn. As I was sitting here this morning praying and, and with Carrie and Norma, I was thinking of just these two ladies. And then hearing them pray. I'm like, God, look what you've done in their life. Look what you've done in their life. Why do they have a desire to come and to be faithful to pray? (laughs) See, we should have a value 
for prayer. But the church is lacking in that. You can call a prayer meeting and no matter what church you're in, and maybe a handful will show. Do you not see what's working against the flesh, the world system, the enemy? And yet, what did the disciples ask of Jesus? Teach us to pray. Because they saw in Jesus a life of prayer. And that's so beautiful. And so, as you grow, as you're maturing as Christians, oh, how I pray you're understanding the value of your soul. Oh, how I pray you are a Christian. I was watching this young man on the streets of Orlando last night uh, on, on YouTube. He goes, he goes live. It was a different part of this church that's in town. And this young man, he was just preaching. He was standing there. And I was just listening to him just share truth. And you see all these different people on the streets of Orlando just walking by, just walking by, just walking by. And I was like, God, in your mercy, you plant him there so again that they would hear. Because God is faithful. He's revealing himself over and over. And that young man didn't have to be there. But he's there because God transformed his life. And he wants other captives to know there's a way out. Let them mock him. Let them laugh at him. Let them nudge him as they're going by. Let them do whatever that they, they want to do. But he was faithful. He wasn't forced to do that. No, he has a desire to let people know there is a way out. There is a coming judgment. You can't make this up. But in God's grace and in God's sovereignty and in God's love, He has made a way out. That's why, again, the error is not in God. When people question God, we don't have to get offended by it. You should be discipled and you should know how to respond. To take the sword of the Spirit and strike a blow to that which is holding them captive. Don't get angry because they're, they're, they're responding to you or they got an issue with God. Don't get angry. You once had an issue with God. But learn how to use the sword. Learn of the Spirit realm. The Bible says if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. That alone should make the church excited. You don't, your life, your Christian life doesn't have to be marked by failure. It's marked by failure because you keep trying. <laughs> you keep trying. You keep. That's why Paul says to the church, what are you doing trying to live out in the flesh what you received in the spirit? It can't be done. That's why when he writes to, to the church in Galatia, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Why are you believing a different gospel than the one that you first received? Because it's always easy to go back to the flesh. It's always easy to rely on you to do. Remember, it is a war for your soul. So if you're just getting up and just going amount of your day and allowing your day to dictate you, you're living from the flesh. You have got to be prepared by the time your eyes opened up to begin to pray 
(laughs) To begin to focus on that which is good, which is pure, which is lovely. Be mindful of what's coming out of your mouth, how you grumble and complain about the day that you that you even haven't you haven't even stepped into yet. But you've already said enough about it. And remember, there's life and death and the power of the tongue. So there's a way in which we are called to live, you all. In community. That's why we belong together, arm in arm. We're not perfect, but we ought to be maturing. And if we're not maturing, you're hindering us. You're that flat tire. We can't go much further. That's why you're to be a healthy member of the body of Christ. You're to be growing. You're to be maturing. That's why I've said, if your Christian walk is what it was yesterday, or a week ago, or a month ago, or a year ago, or ten years ago, something is wrong. Something is terribly wrong. You should see the warning signs. <laughs> warning, warning, you're in rebellion. Because there should be a desire to grow. Like, God, you've begun this work in me. God, you are faithful to complete it. And I told you one of my favorite prayers that I pray pretty much throughout the day, every day. It's God, you say that you will not neglect the work of your hands. And I'm the work of your hands. So God, I know you are for me and not against me. See, I don't know how you're talking through your day. But is he your all in all? And if he's not, then please, please stop pretending. Stop pretending. Because I don't think we really understand the value and the worth of other people's souls. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's get off our own. Let's look at others. Jesus says, don't be a stumbling block. You saying that you are, you belong to Christ? (laughs) I've been born again. (laughs) I love Jesus. (laughs) And yet... Your life doesn't even reflect Him. It doesn't matter how much Scripture you know. It doesn't matter when you show up and when you don't to church. It doesn't matter how lengthy lengthy your prayers are. It doesn't matter how holy you look. Jesus says it's best that you tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the lake. Because you're hindering. You're looking at others. You're living in front of others. And you see no worth in their souls. You're just concerned about their flesh. And how to appease them or how to control them. (laughs) And you don't think that you're going to stand before the living God. And have to give an account. I mean Jesus, the word of God says that you're going to have to give an account to God for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. And how quick are we just to run our mouths? And he tells us. I see, there's a way in which we're called to live. And it's getting crazier out there. We ought to be looking at others. 
in valuing their soul. Listen, let's deal with the lie that we all believe. You ready for the lie? Because if I went around and asked you, what do you think? I'm not going to, so don't worry. Thought of you. Here's the question. Are we all, everyone on this earth, God's children? Are we God's children? We're not. That is a lie in which we have believed. You won't find that in the Bible. Now, what is the truth? We all were created in the image of God. But not all of us are God's children. So we believe the lie. Well, we're all God's children. So everyone's going to heaven. So why take church so seriously? When Jesus looks at the religious people of his day and he tells them, your father is the devil. The religious people. The men who were running the church. Leading God's people. He says your father is the devil. And you travel far to win converts. And you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. You see, God is not our father until we are born again of the spirit. Then you have the right to call him Abba, Daddy. But apart from that, no, no. You can call him Daddy all you want. But when you stand before him, he says, depart from me. You worker of sin, you worker of rebellion. I don't know you. Well, well, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And didn't I call you Daddy? And he says, but I don't know you. See, you tried to get in, but you never heard the shepherd's voice. You don't belong to his flock. Do you understand the warfare that's out there to deceive people into thinking they're right with God? Do you understand what we're up against every single day? And we just... Just go about it. Flippantly. And why? When we're told. When we're told. Like Jesus is not forcing anyone to follow him. Remember, he tells, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything, he tells us. You're going to lay down your life, but oh, it's so worth it. Like, come to me. Come to me. Be born again. It's a whole new way of living. No, no, he's not putting you back together. (laughs) No, no, no. He's tearing you down. Because you're something new now. So you have to learn to stop identifying with what was dead. You got to stop allowing your old clothes to be worn. 
You had to put on the new clothes. Put on Christ. Know who He is. You got to understand that He's fulfilled all for you to be restored and reconciled back to your Creator, to God. To God. And so these temporal pleasures, these temporal attitudes, all this stuff that has been driving you, you are to say, no, I'm not in you any longer. I'm a new creation. And when it wants to flare up, because remember, in the book of Galatians, it tells us the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other constantly. And what I have encouraged you over the years is what you feed breeds and what you starve dies. Give not your flesh an ounce. (laughs) Don't get entangled with the world. And the Bible tells us do not give the enemy a foothold. You give him a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. And this is nothing new, you've heard it before. And what is a stronghold? It's a pattern of thought that is contrary to the truth of God's word that you are now believing and it's defining you. But don't beat yourself up. The Bible says he gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish these strongholds. There's freedom, you all. There's freedom. There's a liberty and and freedom in Christ that you can't find anywhere else. And I've said this to you over and over and over. It's like a broken record because there's nothing new. Like all these other false religions, all these other institutions, they're all based off of this. It's just twisted. To keep you enslaved. (laughs) So don't be a slave to the flesh any longer. Be a slave of Christ. Sin is no longer to be your master. Christ is. And again, he doesn't force us. That's what's so beautiful. We just freely yield. And when we get up and we're born again of that Holy Spirit and now He's operating in our lives before you go to, you withdraw and say, "Mm, it's not who I am anymore. Before you give in and cater and do all this and just go along to appease people, you go, no, no, wait a minute. There's a way in which I'm to live now. It's not that you're better than anyone else. It's just that you're different now because you've been set apart for his purpose. For his purpose. And so then people begin to see like you're not doing the things you used to do, saying the things you used to say. Your life is, is changing right before their eyes and they have no understanding. So they ask, what's wrong with you? No. Let me tell you what's right with me. Because I saw that I was a complete rebellion towards a living God. And he was pleased to reveal himself to me through Jesus. 
see, there's no greater love than this. And I'm born again. And it's not by coincidence that you're asking. Because God is pleased to reveal himself to you through Jesus. You see, the Bible says that you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power in you, if you're a believer. See, if you're not, you can claim it all you want. But that same power is active, if you're a believer, in you. Are you tapping into it? Are you living in it? Are you going forward each day saying it doesn't matter what comes my way? It doesn't matter. The weapon will be forged against me, but it's not going to prosper. I may be encamped around me. All my enemies may be encamped around me, but I will get up today and I will bless the Lord. I would give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His love endures forever. You see, there's a way in which we are to think. Because as you think, so you go, the Bible says. You've got to give thought to your thoughts. And if they're in error, then do what the Bible trains you to do. Take them captive and rein them in and say, oh no, I'm placing you under his lordship. And I may not have the answer of the thoughts now I need to replace you with, so I'll go to him and I'll find them. And they will become my thoughts. Because I'm no longer living for myself. You see, this is community. This is how we're to be living together, encouraging each other edifying each other, pushing each other forward. Like, don't stay back. Come on. Keep moving. Keep moving. Yes, life is rough. But if your life never changes and it's always rough, does that mean he's not God? No, he's God. (laughs) And we will trust him and we will honor him, but above all, we will love him. And we together will go through it so that the people on the outside in these other communities look and say, nothing of us, but all of our God. You see, the people of the other nations, when they looked at Israel, they weren't impressed with Israel. They were impressed with the God of Israel. Though they didn't serve him, they recognized him. (laughs) And so it's not about making people, you know, look at us. <laughs> no, no. It's all about looking at him. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Just a few scriptures. I'm going to share with you and hope to encourage you to persevere in community. Again, we're going in the seventh month of this year. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Again, scriptures we've heard before, but oh, how I'm praying for an awakening within us 
to desire first fellowship with Christ and then fellowship with the community of believers. So 42 verse 40 through verse 47. All the believers, not just some, not just a few, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know how that's how you should pray for us as a church. That God will add to our fellowship to those who are being saved. And oh how I pray that you are a giving people. That you're learning to give and not hold tightly. You know, we're giving to the Orlando Union Rescue Mission this month. Oh, how I pray that you're sowing in to that incredible ministry to meet the needs of our community. When there's needs that come up among us, or maybe loved ones, or co-workers, or people that we know that are in need that we can be a blessing to. Oh, how you should be giving. And you say, what do I give? As the Lord leads. As the Lord leads. You should be contributing to our times together. Whatever that looks like. No one has to tell you. You hear the needs. You know what's there. You ought to be freely giving. You ought to be freely serving. You got a word you want to share? Get up. Speak. Let me know. We'll sit down. We have an opportunity to get up and lead. I mean, there's ways in which you can get involved. Be involved. Involved. Be a part of. Not just taking and taking from, but being a part of. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. That's not a suggestion or, you know, do it if you feel you you can. No, no. That's what you should be maturing to. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient and with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Again, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the church on how to to move about with the lost. (laughs) See, it first starts here, and then we can take it out there. Some of us are trying so hard out there, but we're not doing nothing in here. See, it starts here. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. 
binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12, a living sacrifice to God. Again, a community, the same interest, same goals, same purpose, a, a sense of fellowship. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is Good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. (laughs) Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong together or we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God is giving you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God is giving you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say... I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So instead, 
If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you will reap burning coals of shame on their heads. And finally, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is who we are. Because this is who we belong to. And oh, I pray that you're experiencing that, you all. And if you're not, don't beat yourself up. But yet again, you have another day that he's giving you an opportunity to be born again. <laughs> to, have a, to have a faith and a confession that Jesus is the Son of God and he rose from the dead. That you then will be baptized and then you would be discipled. See, if you're sitting here today and you're saying yourself a Christian, but you don't know your gift, then you ought to be calling me this week and saying, hey, can we sit down? <laughs> because there's a great assessment that you can take that you can see. <clears throat> this is how I'm gifted. Okay, well then how can I do this? How can I grow in this among the fellowship? Because that's your heart's desire now. I mean, this is who we are. Like, each of you are going to get back up and you're going to go right back out into that world <laughs> for a whole week. I don't see you on, some of you on Wednesdays or Fridays. Some of you I see. Some of you I may not see next Sunday. <laughs> but how are you living? You see, like I said a couple weeks ago, and I'm sharing on my 25th anniversary, like in my beginning days, oh, you didn't have to tell me I needed church. It was in me. Even though the church didn't want me, the ones I would try to go to, whatever. But I, there was a longing within me to be around the people of God. I remember I was out at Lake Eola for, it was a July 4th with the family. It was years ago. And the Faith Assembly Choir was singing up on that stage. And I remember just, I think Michael was with us. Your son Michael was with me that day too. But I remember, I turned around, I remember looking and I'm like, my God, who are those people? There was such a level of freedom and love for their God like I've never seen before. And I was like, I've got to find out where these people are at and who they are. And man, the, the growth that I, that, the way I grew in that church, the way I was fed, the, the, the relationships that I, that I built, the 80-something-year-old man that myself and three other guys met in a broom closet, that was his Sunday school room, just walk through the Bible. That old man had, was in poor health, but he was so faithful to us three young guys. I remember the day I showed up and was ready, and he wasn't there. And we all were like, oh my goodness. Like we knew. Like he must have passed away because he was always so faithful. And he did. I was like, oh man, it was such a loss because he was so full of just knowledge and wisdom. 
Like you just meet people and you want to sit down. You want to open the word together. You want to encourage and edify and build each other up. It's not because someone's keeping attendance. Oh, she's not here today. Oh, he's not here today. It's not about that. But there is a desire to be with each other. Because we're out there... (laughs) The majority of our hours and days. And how are we surviving? How are we guarding our soul? How are we valuing our soul? And how are we valuing the souls of others? So you're around a lot of non-believers. You're around a lot of people who think they're Christians, but they have no affiliations with the church. So what are you doing when you're around them? Some of them are even in your own home. Some of them are sitting at the office right next to you. Like, how are you just living your life? Don't be a stumbling block. Love them enough. Love them enough. Value their soul to be a light. Stop making excuses for your failures around them. Stop saying you're sorry for doing wrong in front of them. And maybe you're not even in the habit of doing that. That's even worse. (laughs) But rather, you're not in the habit of doing it if you're doing it, but you're sorry is not really a genuine remorse. Then stop saying it. Like, ask the Holy Spirit, Oh, God, no. I'm a new creation. Help me. To, to repent and repent often. <laughs> like, never let me just fly off the handle and just and, and, and assume that it is okay. Never let me just do, just to do, just to do, just to do, and never retract and go, oh, wait a minute. I just severed. I just struck another blow to devaluing their soul because of my words and my actions because I'm not valuing mine. <laughs> so, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. Teach me. See, I don't, again, I don't know how you're talking to God. I don't know how you're depending upon the Holy Spirit to work within you what he's begun in you. But if you just push him aside and say, I got the reins, I'll take it from here, you're in rebellion towards him. How is that loving God? How is that loving God? It's not. You've been deceived. You've been deceived. You're in rebellion to a holy God. So there is a way in which we're called to live. And you say, but it just seems so heavy. Again, if you're seeing your Christian life as a, a burden, then you all you see is you, you're not seeing the Christian life. You're seeing a religious life. How can I do all of this? <laughs> Through the power of God, not through yourself. You see, only time I've ever ever told you to be in agreement with the enemy is when he tells you you can't. You're not a good Christian. You can't do anything right. Yeah, you're right. I can't. In and of myself, I can't. But oh, let me tell you who can He can. I didn't start this. He did. 
And he stroke a blow to your kingdom by yanking me out of it. And I will not yoke myself back with you. Come at me with all you have. But I'm going to keep reminding you of how great my God is. Flare up and turn up within me anything you want. But I am going to just run to my Savior. Who is my portion and my strength. Who makes a way out of every temptation. Who is my rock and my foundation. He's already dragged you out in the open and exposed you. See, again, I don't know what you're doing. But I can only tell you the days are ramping up. So I can only encourage you. God, get right with God. You see, when you say Jesus is the Son of God, and that he rose from the dead. Do you understand? Like I've said it over the years to you. Do you understand the impact that that has on your life? If it's truly truth to you. It humbles you. Because to live in the opposite to what you're confessing. And you're just doing it. And it's not meaning anything. Like, do you understand you're going to run into him? (laughs) And you've made his blood so common that you stripped it of its power and you've made him so common that you've made others twice as much the son of hell or daughter of hell as you are. And you have to answer for that. And what's going to be our excuse? There isn't any. He's God. He is so loving. He is so faithful. He is so kind. Philippians 2. Bible. Oh, hasn't been worn out yet. <laughs> Philippians 2. Verse 3 through 16. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of yourself as better, I'm sorry, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Do you understand this again isn't a suggestion. This is how you're to be growing and living. Your flesh does not like to hear this. Your flesh will not motivate you to move forward in this. This is the work of the Spirit of God in you. So by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, as he's leading you, this is how you put this into practice. This isn't a list for you, okay, i got to try this, i got to do this, i got to do that. Oh, look, no, you, you can't do that. You, you're going to exhaust yourself. But get up every day reminding yourself who he is and who you are. So through Christ, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because 
Lord, you said you had to go away so that he will come. He will equip me. He will train me up so that I won't be selfish. That I won't keep trying to impress others. That I will remain humble. That I will think of others better than myself. That I will not look out only for my own interest, but I will begin to take an interest in others too. Help me this day, God, before I step out my house. You say you take scripture and you pray it. You keep it before you and in you and you apply it and you live it. So that when you go about your day and you, and you are trying to make it about you, you're remembering like, oh wait. The Holy Spirit's quick to say, oh, he doesn't force you to do this. He just reminds you, Rob. You have a choice, life or death. Valuing their soul, valuing your own, or trampling all over them and yourself. Choose. No, God, I choose to do what is right. Even though it's it's hard, but through you, I can think of them before I think of myself. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse 5. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Please don't forget verse 5 before we begin to read that. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. So what attitude did Christ have? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to god and died a criminal's death on a cross therefore god elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If Christ humbled himself, what are you doing exalting yourself? What do you do being so prideful and arrogant and so self-absorbed, making it about you each day? When you are to consider yourself dead, But alive in Christ, there is a new way to live. So dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Who? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power, the desire and the power the desire, and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, your salvation is not based on works, but because of your salvation, works just freely come. It's it's a fruit that comes forth from your life. 
Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, as children of God, as those who can only have that claim, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice if I lose, if I will, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. I know it's hot. I know it's long. But listen, this is just a short window to equip you to go out there and in face to face all the hours that you're out there. That you would take the word of God and not just be a hearer, but be a doer. Because if you're truly a Christian, you are born again. And you will have a hunger to let the newness of life come. Your old life is going to scream at you. The old desires are going to want to yell at you. The world system that you were so yoked with is still going to try to, no, identify with this. Satan is still hounding you. His breath is on your neck. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. See, if you have a faith and a belief and a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he rose from the dead, that defines you from here on. You're saved. And that's now how you're living. What does that mean to you? If I went around the room, what does that mean to you? How has that truly impacted your life? You should be able to say it. Because to see him for who he is, it changes you. It transforms you to a whole new creation. This weird gospel that's being peddled out there and has been peddled out there since the beginning of the church, (laughs) and we're told it's out there, be mindful. If you're not growing If you don't have a hunger, you're following the wrong Christ. You're going with a different gospel (laughs) that's not truth at all. Know your God. Love your God. Serve your God. Go to 1 Kings. While you're turning there, 1 Kings 19 is where we're heading today. And again, we're walking through Scripture in hopes to encourage you to know God. To know how great He is. To see Him and to understand His character. But before we do that, the next part of the Heidelberg Catechism. Again, it's a tool that that I've placed before us to encourage you to grow. So we're moving on. We we, we talked about uh, the Son of God. Now we're moving on to God the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 20. Still part 2 of the Catechism called Deliverance. The 50... Question 53 is what we're on. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? The answer. 
First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me so that through true faith, He makes me share in Christ all of His benefits, comforts me, and will remain with me forever. And in the notes that you'll get when Carrie sends them out, there's all these scriptures there that that answer is based off of. So be encouraged. You should be able to answer questions. Listen, it is so dark out there that people want to talk about spiritual things. We've got a great opportunity. Everyone's spiritual. Now, they may not want you to bring up Jesus. They may want to move away from you. But again, some to some, you'll be a stench of death, but to others, you're going to be a fragrance of life. So don't get discouraged if they want to shut down the conversation, but you never shut down the conversation because of what they believe. Don't argue. Don't, you don't fight with people. They have every right to live and choose and to be all that they want to be. Just as you have every right to live for Christ. So never shut down a uh, conversation because of what someone else believes, hear them out. Because as they're speaking, the enemy is revealing himself to how he has them bound. So you take that knowledge and you just begin to pray for them. You don't have to argue with them. They're not going to understand. The Bible says that they're blind, but the enemy has just revealed himself. And so now you take that revelation, you begin to pray over them. You take the sword and you begin to strike a blow in your intercession for them. I mean, it's incredible. The opportunities that we have to share our faith. And so you should be able to share your faith. And if you're sitting in church and you can't, I'm going to say it again, something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I care enough about your eternity than your temporalness. You've got to ask yourself, what is keeping me from hungering the things of God? You've got to ask yourself. And you can't blame them. You can't blame this. You can't blame your job. You can't Because we all have things in our life and people in our lives. I mean, there's many a days my flesh is like, I don't want to. But I say, oh, no. On those days, I press in even more. <laughs> I told you in the beginning, when I, when I would get up and, and read the Bible, I would fall asleep. So I would say, oh, flesh, I see you. So I'll get up and walk. And not only will I get up and walk, I'll read out loud. So you have to push back. I'm not an educated man. <laughs> I hated school. I hated studying. I'm a dropout. You know, I got my GED. <laughs> but what God, what I'm doing and what, how God is using me is, to me, I'm just amazed. I just go, God, this is amazing. I wouldn't do this in and of myself. <laughs> but when I see the flesh, I say, oh, no. See, you, got, you know yourself. And so when you see that old nature keeping you down on social media for hours, you better say, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> if I can keep up with every trend, I can keep up with every scripture. Mm -hmm. 
See, remember, living for Christ is not going to be your first thought in your flesh or in the world system. So you got to push up against it. Day in and day out. It's a lifestyle. Listen, when I was in the world, I lived it. (laughs) I lived it. It was who I was. I could care less what you thought of me. You know? It's who I was. It's what I did. And I enjoyed it. So, why am I going to call myself a Christian (laughs) and not enjoy it? And not find out what is what is, what does it mean? Because I'm never going to arrive to the fullness, to perfection, on this side of heaven. I'm not perfected. You're not perfected until we're with Him. But we are maturing. We ought to be maturing. So we never think we've arrived. I've got enough Bible now in me. Oh no no no! Like I need it even more now today than I did 25 years ago. And each day, I want to fan that flame. That God, I need you. I can't do this apart from you. This life is not my own. Teach me. So the Heidelberg Catechism is a great tool. As we progress in it, there's going to be some things that, as our fellowship, we're not in line with. But again, there's a lot of different things amongst different denominations, as long as it's not against salvation and the works of Christ, we're okay. But there's other menial things that we're like, eh, okay, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. It's, it's not, we don't need to argue. We don't need to fight over it. It is what it is. So that's further down. But solid teachings. That's all a catechism is. It's catechism is. It's teachings. It's to teach you. It's to train you. And so it's a great tool. So if you need something to sharpen your iron, I mean, your, sharpen your sword with, that's a great tool. First Kings 19, verse 1 through 21. Elijah, when we picked back a couple weeks ago, Elijah just defeated the prophets of Baal. He had them slaughtered. It was a great spiritual victory in the land of Israel. Don't take that for granted as you're reading. And you need just as much as the Old Testament as you need the New Testament to understand who God is. Remember, everything in the Old is a foreshadow of Christ. So when Ahab, King Ahab, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed them. This is Jezebel. This is a queen. We have a, we have a weak king. But we have a mouthy queen who is running the show, leading Israel into idolatry, great perversion, And then our great prophet Elijah, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life 
He went to Beersheba, the town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Listen, spiritual warfare is real. It's not a joke. This is common in the life of a believer. You will have great victory. But don't think that the enemy is just going to lay down quietly. You kick a hornet's nest, the hornets are coming out. You strike a blow, So it's very important that we understand this. You as a Christian could go down into deep depression. You can get under the waves of turbulence, of uncertainty to where you're at a place where you say, God, just take my life. He says... I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You see, he saw the threat of Jezebel. He saw the condition of the Israel. But in our days, you can get discouraged by the condition of the church. He saw all of that. He took his eyes off the the, the wonders of God and the greatness of God, and he began to look here instead of looking up, and this causes depression. This causes discouragement. This is a way just to give up and to give in. (laughs) Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. I love how we see that his physical need is being met by God as God is about to meet his spiritual need. You've got a physical side, you've got a spiritual side. You've got to be mindful because God's mindful of them. God knew exactly where Elijah was at and he knew what Elijah needed. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Ah, this is beautiful. 
and a mighty wind storm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. You see, the Lord passed by. The wind kicked up, the earth shook, fire fell. God wasn't any of that. It was this still small voice. It was this still, and that's how he speaks to us, you all. God can move in our lives, and it may feel like an earthquake or a windstorm or fires set aflame. But seek him to hear his still small voice speaking to you. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I had zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now... They are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back down the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel, the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from the town of Abel-Melah, to replace you as my prophet Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Elijah, what you are seeing, I'm not done. I'm not done, Elijah. I am going to bring about my plans and my purpose. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Sabbath, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go back. But think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat up to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah and I'm sorry. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. And that is amazing. Do you know what he did? Do you know what that symbolizes of what he did to those oxen? That's his old life. Gone. I'm leaving it. <laughs> I'm following now. I'm in the service for the Lord. And doesn't it remind you 
in the New Testament. When Jesus calls the disciple and he was like, oh, let me go back to say goodbye. And he's like, no, you come and follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. Because Jesus had a greater ministry. But Elijah, he tells him, okay, go back, but think about what I've done and what I'm calling you to. So you don't take lightly for what God is doing. God's plans, God's purpose, they will come about no matter what it may look like now. No matter how dark it may look like in our generation and the darker it gets, God is not done. And one of the greatest things to, to wrestle with is discouragement when you look at the condition, not of the world, because that's the world, but when you see the condition of God's people. And you're just like, God. It can become very discouraging and depressing. Especially when the enemy whispers in your ear, I am going to kill you. Like you better, you better know that you know that you know who your God is. Because he'll see you through it. So you'll have your mountaintops, but the majority of your Christian life is going to be in this valley. Because that's how you grow. That's how you mature. Go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Harold Agrippa began to to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads and four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Persecutions happening. The church has been birthed. The government is not pleased. The religious people aren't pleased with the church. Persecution is is, is on. The church is being scattered, but it's thriving. See, does it make sense in the natural mind that those who are being persecuted, that the movement would flourish? It does. It does. And we're seeing it even now in our day and age. And you see, it says that the people rejoice. Like they're pleased. Don't forget they used to light Christians on posts as as lamps in the evening to walk through Rome. People just going about their evening, enjoying their lives, and Christians are burning, lighting the path. They used to gather them into coliseums. People sit there and roared and, and cheered while the lions devoured them. And we just want to play church. I mean, we have our brothers and sisters overseas, up in Canada, forgetting even being across the ocean, but right to the north of us being persecuted, being arrested, being thrown into jail, having their livelihood stripped from them. This is in Canada. You can't make this up. But the church is thriving. 
The church is thriving. It's like when I post those, those testimonies of what people are enduring, God, I pray that you're reading them. And you're praying for them and you're being encouraged. Like, God, I want my faith to be established. I want to be able to stand as they're standing. I want to be able to endure as they're enduring. Ah, there's a way to live, you all. But Peter's now in prison, locked down. (laughs) The church is praying. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. And suddenly, I love how God moves. Suddenly, (laughs) there was a bright light in the cell and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. We serve an awesome God. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. Know your God. (laughs) Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders have planned to do to me. You see, we can't just read this as as a bedtime story. Oh, it's a nice story. These are actual events. This isn't conjured up by someone's make-believe. These are actual events that the Holy Spirit inspired to be penned so that you sitting here today to learn of God, how great He is, how powerful He is, how His plan will not be thwarted. He will bring about what He has purposed. Peter finally came to his senses. He says, it's really true. The Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the, <laughs> in the gate, and the servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. Ah, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Here they were pleading, praying, God answers, and they're not moved. Happens. But God is faithful. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. 
So he so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won their support. Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat at his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not of man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod, Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul, who is Paul, had finished their missions to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. The church is marching forward, you all. God's plan is in place. No ungodly leader is going to get in the way. God will bring about what God has purposed because God is not man that he should lie. God is faithful. Psalm 136, we're wrapping up. Oh, the book of Psalms encourages us to look up. Things may be rough. But God is faithful. He's on the throne. And I want to encourage you about Psalm 136. If you've been around me long enough, if I ever had one-on-one time with you to disciple you, I've always used Psalm 136. Some of you may remember. Some of you may not. But here's your homework assignment. Go sit down with Psalm 136 this week and think of your life. How you've seen God move through it. And pin... As you're inspired by the Holy Spirit, your own personal Psalm 136. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Give thanks to the Lord. Listen to this. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day, his faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt, his faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt, his faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea, his faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. Through his faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Shion, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. 
give, God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Oh, go write your own personal Psalm 136. Do you know him? I remember years ago, I'll never forget, standing in worship, just singing the song. And I saw the Lord say, you don't mean it. <laughs> They're just words. You don't know me as that. And I was like, oh. I remember sitting down on the pew. I was like, God, I never just want to get lost. And it means nothing to me. Like, I want to know you. And so... I can sit down with a pad of paper or at the keyboard and I can begin to type or write how I know Him. How great of a deliverer He is. His faithful love endures forever. How His healing touch healed my body. His faithful love endures forever. How He's been my strong tower his faithful love endures forever. How he provided when I saw no way out. His faithful love endures forever. So you can look back over your life and you can begin to write. Don't be silent. That's what the enemy wants. That's what the world system wants. That's what your flesh wants. They don't want you to know your God. Begin to testify. He stripped them of the control over my life. His faithful love endures forever. And if you write your own Psalm 136, you want to read it next Sunday, I'd love to hear it. It's what we've done before. Y'all remember? Those who've been around long enough? Y'all have written your own personal 136. Go write a new one. This is putting application the psalmist knew there was something about exalting God that kept him focused on God. Proverbs, two nuggets of wisdom for you. Though you've got a lot, but now I'm going to throw two nuggets at your head. Proverbs 17. People say, church service can't be that long. But all right, praise the Lord. <laughs> 17 verse 14 through 15 ay, ay, ay. Proverbs 17 yes verse 14 through 15 starting a quarrel oh here we go it's like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. And then finally, acquitting the guilty and condemning the, and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. Oh, that we would give thanks to the Lord, for He definitely is good and His love endures forever. I'm going to close this with this song of worship.
and then I'll close us in prayer.
thank you yet for another day, Lord, to, to hear from you, to hear your word, Father. And, oh God, how I pray that we would respond to it, Lord. God, that we would not just remain where we've been or pretend that we're in when we're really out. God, that we would truly understand what it is to be born again of the Spirit, to to have the the right to call you Abba, to call you Daddy. Not everyone is your child. But for those who are God, I just truly understand what that means. Oh, God. You are such an awesome God. Slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and your love endures forever. You are so faithful. You're so kind. You extend your grace and your mercy towards us. You've made a way out. Oh God, you want to show us the value of our souls. That we might live for eternity with you. So God, if there's any among us or any that would be listening later on the podcast. God, who are not in Christ. Maybe they've held a form of religion. Maybe they have been far away from you for their whole life. But God, today is the day that God, they know the drawing of the Holy Spirit is bringing them to truth. And oh, how I pray that they would yield to your leading. They would submit to you, Father. That they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. But that would become their belief and their confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead. (laughs) The Word says that they are born again of the Spirit. (laughs) I pray, God, that then they would take the steps to be baptized (laughs) and then to be discipled and learning of all your commands. And growing and maturing and longing for your return. For those, God, who are in Christ, Lord, I pray, God, that they're not in a season of discouragement. And if they are, God, that they would lift up their heads. God, that they would press in. God, that they would remember how great you are. That they would not grow weary in doing good, but that in the right time, in the right season, they will reap a harvest if they faint not. I thank you, Father, that we can gather. I thank you that this is our church family, our fellowship. We are part of the local body of Christ in our city, in our nation, and in this earth. So have your way in us and through us, Father. Add to our numbers to those who are being saved. And we thank you for this time of fellowship we're going to have and and break bread together and eat together. And Father, what a privilege that we have to do this. 
And thank you for Yvette, for Father, for serving us today and ultimately serving you. Thank you for the provision to for the for the for the meal, Lord. I do pray, God, it will strengthen and nourish our bodies, Lord Jesus, for thy service. So bless your people, Father, I pray. Protect them, Lord, by your name. And Father, may we go forth this week, be in your hands and your feet, sharing the good news of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, hang back.